welcome to episode number 28 of Slaying It with Santa Rob. It's hard to believe we've had 28 episodes of, uh, of our little podcast here in uh, 2023. We're, we're not very far away from wrapping it up for the year and uh, taking a break uh, through uh, for a couple, uh, couple weeks in December. But uh, we're going to keep it pushing here. Right now we got a, several uh, great interviews coming up to wrap up 2023, and tonight is no exception. We're going to talk to a guy who's been in the music business for a while. He's done a little bit of everything, including being a, uh, a person who owned a record label. He's the front man for several bands, and uh, I'm kind of pumped. So welcome to the sleigh. The voice of Grave Robber, the voice of John DeGroff Salt, Mr. Sean Browning. Are you there, Sean? Yep, right here. Awesome. How are you tonight? Good. I I thought it was time to have you on. You're a man of many, many, many interests. A lot of hats. (laughs) <laughs> you got a lot you got a lot of hats and you're living a lot of guys dream. It's so you weird to, to think of that because I don't think of it that way but it's interesting. Well, let, let, let's look. How how many bands are you involved with? Uh, let's see right now. Well, of course Gra- Grave Robber, Salt, right. Mighty McGuigans. Driver eight, yeah, that's five. You got five there. You you owned your own record label for a while. Yeah, yeah. You worked with a lot of great bands. Mm-hmm. You're a music junkie's best friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to is being a fan. You know, <laughs> really. So, so let let let's go back. You know, just just so people know, I, I'm talking to Sean Browning who is singing now with John DeGroff in Salt. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen a video yet, go to YouTube or go to my YTF page on Facebook. Check it out. There's a brand new song that's out there now that they just did live in Michigan. Look up Grave Robber. And yes, that's him on vocals. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, same uh, guy. <laughs> so so let, let's go back to the beginning how did this all begin for you? You know, where does the music journey start? Um, the music journey. Um, well, I think, it, I mean, really, I mean, it, it comes to back in the early 70s, you know, like like listening to AM radio in my parents' car. And at that time, um, the first single that I ever bought, first song I ever bought was Little Willie by Sweet. <clears throat> and um I, I still to this day sweet is one of my favorite bands of all time and so, so you and i have a lot in common that was one of my first yeah and and i mean i just i literally fell in love with the way that sounded and a lot of people mm-hmm. say they fell in love with the sound but for me it was just it wasn't just like i liked it it was i was completely enamored by it so mm-hmm. um then later on you know i found you know like kiss and alice cooper and david bowie Mata Hoople, Slade, um, T-Rex, 
you know, bands like this. So that was the first stuff that I was into when I was a little kid. And then, um, then later on, uh, you know, I just, my taste got heavier and heavier and heavier. And, and I started, you know, meeting people that played music and, and, and I thought that I could sing. And so I tried and, you know, I, I did okay. You know, I still, I still don't consider myself a great singer. I'm an okay singer. And, uh, you know, cause I, cause I recognize that there are people out there that have, you know, massive, massive talents with their vocals, you know, and I wouldn't say that about myself. I would say that I'm a pretty good singer, but I love, I, so when it comes to, truly loving i think the key is loving your audience and so and i and i really do and i think they pick up on that so um i think that's where i kind of get away with it <laughs> but um you know i just started playing bands in um you know like in junior high trying and then high school actually being in a band and you know for a lot of guys you know they're like, okay i'm in a band in high school and then and that's as far as it goes other guys yeah. they go to they go to college and they're like oh i'm in college and you know what am I going to do to blow off steam? Well, I'm going to play in a band and, and that's as far as they go. And I okay. think everybody around me, including my parents thought, you know, once he gets this out of his system, he'll grow up. And the reality is I never <laughs> grow up. And so, you know, and that, that's the truth. And so, um, and I just said this the other day, we were at Grave Rubber had a gig and we played, it was a bar gig and we we're playing in this, in this club down in Indianapolis, this punk rock bar that's i mean it's been going for 25 years and um our drummer ordered a pizza so we were ready to leave but we're pizza and somebody said something and, uh, and i'll be honest you know the the, the response it, somebody said something that was innocent but didn't sound innocent you know what i mean like double mm -hmm. and um so everybody started giggling you know and i'm like you know what it doesn't matter how old we get we are still we still have 14 year old brains, you know, if that's where, is that's where our minds go, you know, cause he just, he said right. something that was, you know, innocuous, but ended up, you know, having a double meaning, but, um, and we all laugh. Right. And so I think yeah. that's part of being a musician is I don't think you're allowed to grow up, you know, and be a musician. I don't think you, you know, that you can truly be an, and still be a musician, if that makes sense. <laughs> so long story short, um, I just, I just kept going, you know, and, and, from the time, from the time I was in my first band, which would have been, let me think, I think my first band, I think I, the first band, I think it was 15. I was 15 years old and I'm 56 now. And the longest time I've ever taken in my life from the time of 15 to 56 of not being in, in a band the longest stretch of time is about three weeks. Wow. Like I've never not been in a band. I don't even know what that would be like. And I really don't. <laughs> and I've been with my wife, Holly, since 1987. I've been with her longer than I've been without her. You know, it would wow. be not being in a band would almost be like not being with my wife. Like I wouldn't know how to operate in without being in a band and, and playing music. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know how to do it. I don't even know what that's like. No, no idea. And uh, so, um, so yeah, I mean, and then, and then I've got so many vast interests. I mean, I, I, I love everything from, from folk music to, to death metal, to black metal, to, you know, to electronic music, to, uh, to punk, to progressive, to industrial. I mean, so find something in a genre that I like, you know, I don't, I don't, right. I, don't I can't, 
genre where I just go, okay, I just hate the entire genre, you know, right. um, even country. I mean, I'm not a huge country fan, but there's some country I think is absolutely stellar. Right. That just blows me out of the water. And um, so, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I just have so many different interests that if I don't, if I don't explore those things, it just sits in my head and, and builds like a pressure cooker, you know? So, so <laughs> part of it is just, you know, for my own mental health, you know, is, is you know, being, being involved in those things that kind of keep me, keep me grounded. It, playing music for me has the opposite effect for some people. It gives them an ego for me. It grounds me, you know? Okay. Yeah. And it plus I, this, I'm, I always play with play end up playing with people that I admire. You know, and people that I look around the room and go, I, I'm, if I'm the worst guy in the room, that's my goal. You know, I want to be, I want to be the least talented in the room because then I know it's going to be really good, you know? And uh, that's how it is playing in salt, you know, like right. I just stand there and go, I can't believe I'm getting away with this. You and I have that exact same feeling because I was there during ghf's first record yeah 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 and 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 uh my my favorite thing to remember is going up the day we were mixing it and sitting in greg's little office and uh th there there's bill glover greg hogue john DeGroff, and me yeah and, yeah and i am not worthy to be in that building with these guys yeah and that's how i feel too and but the weird thing about being around those guys is because i've had the same experience you know of of being in the midst of those three and especially now with John, but you know, it was about uh, John DeGroff about a year and a half, two years before Petra did that, that reunion show up in Angola, Indiana, where okay, it, it was the current Petra was on tour and the promoter got the idea of, Hey, let's get, let's get the original guys to play a set you know, you know, playing like Lucas McGraw and things like that off the first and second record. Um, right. I don't know if you were there at that show or not, but I was um, not. Okay. So they just had, you know, uh, Bob Hartman and then the, the other three original members like play a short set. Um, it was like a Petra set, like we're going to do something special. Blah, blah. They bring them out and, and, you know, uh, Greg Hogue, Bill well, Bill, Bill Glover was not there. He was supposed to be there, and something happened. He wasn't there. So Petra's current drummer did play in John DeGroff. So I'd met John about a year and a half prior to that, and I don't even remember why, but I had to meet him for dinner for something. Um, mm -hmm. And it was just like, I'm like, it was weird because I'm like, to me, John, you know, John is a legend. He's a living legend. Yeah. I mean, he really is. Yeah. And then I had met, um, you know, at Greg met Greg Hogue before that and met Bill Glover even before that. And and mm -hmm. so these guys are legends, but the longer on them, that whole thing of this is a legend starts to fade away because yes, now it's now it's not like John DeGroff, legendary <laughs> ex Petra <laughs> bass player. Now it's just like, oh, it's John, you know. Right. And yeah. uh I love that. I love and it and it fades away not because my opinion changes it fades away because they really are very very humble and just humble and lovely people to be around you know being around greg hogue uh, a couple ago when we did that 
that salt gig up in Michigan. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, Greg had me come over to his house and we worked on some harmonies and some things for, for the performance, the live performance. And where he, he got up with salt and played uh, three nails and sang some of the harmonies and, and played the, the lead on it. And, and it was just being around him, you know, right. it's just, it's just amazing to be around them. Not at first because of what they did musically, then that fades away. And then you're like, I like being around them because of the people they are and because of the characters yes. they have, you know? And so that it, it's, it's huge for me. And then John also plays with me in the Irish band, the mighty McGuigans, which is not a Christian uh, band, but the bulk of the band are Christian people. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, it's like, of course the guys who are Christians operate, the same way that they would if they were doing a Christian band or not, you know, it's still, right. you still have to have your, your character <laughs> intact, you know? And, right. Um, uh, but, you know, so it's, it, I spend, you know, quite a bit of time with John and, and it's, uh, you know, being around him is, is, is an absolute pleasure. You know, John, John likes to, you know, he kind of likes to play the part curmudgeon, you know, which he does, he does very well. He plays that role very well. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you know, he's, he's what I call a golden soul, you know? Yes. He's just a fantastic human being. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still shocked when he calls me and I see his name pop up on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. And and we've been friends for quite a while. And yeah. And when I, when I did the first Petra fan convention down here, I had talked to Bill several times on the phone. I had talked to DeGroff several times on the phone, but I had, I don't believe I had talked to, to Greg yet. In the day of the concert, when Greg pulled up, I was so I was starstruck. Yeah, and and then he got out, and and I realized this is cool, but man, he's just a guy. Yeah, he's and, normal. Yeah, and, and and Greg Hogan and I are he, he I I'm happy to call him one of my best friends. Yeah, and totally. just just that just to have those guys call and talk, we we go up and have lunch with them all the time, and. Yeah, dinner with them, and and they're they're just down down to earth good people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean they don't. The weird thing, you know, of course, we could, you know if we really trace the history of rock, there was obviously people that did it, before, but nobody nobody really put Christian rock on the map the way Petra did, you know, and so right. that's their part in the history of you know this the history that's still being written i mean there's still new christian bands all the time and you know right. i think without heading that it might not be what it is today and uh but they don't see it that way at all right they, they just don't and they probably told you the the stories that nobody wants to go public to but um <laughs> oh oh, just, oh yes we have yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. have a conversation sometime off the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody listening, I don't mean that to, to, to sound like I'm like, like I'm like I'm, uh, it's not down a talking debauchery. No, yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm just saying the, the struggles that they went through and personalities and management and this and that and the, all those things. Yeah. You know, and John has you know filled me in on some of that stuff, and you go, "Geez, you wouldn't." I didn't think it would have been like that. He goes, Oh no, it was just like being in any other band, you know, but uh, um, I go, well, I guess, you know, on a business level, I guess that makes sense. But, uh, 
you know, they, they don't, they, those guys just don't see themselves as, as anything more than just, just dudes, you know? And, and so that's, it's really refreshing. It, it is. And, 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 and while we're talking about salt, you filled some seriously big shoes. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring that up. And, and that, that I don't get, I don't get too scared of too many things, but, and I didn't think about it when John called me. So he called me because, Hey, listen, he said, here's the reality is I'm just going to tell you. He said, if I could pay John Schlitt to play live, I would. He goes, I can't afford John Schlitt. He goes, but I can afford you. You're cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got that right. And uh, so he, he said, would you be willing um, to sing for salt? And I went, what? Cause I didn't even see that coming. And, I, right. and so he had heard me sing like harmonies and things in the mighty McWiggins, which is a lot different than what I do in great robber. And sure. he didn't realize I could sing that high. And so I was like, John, I'd be honored. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be amazing. You know? And I'm like, are you sure you want me though? I mean, am I, am I the right guy? And he said, yeah, no, he goes, I, I really think it'll work out great. And I said, okay, yeah. well, you know, let's get together and play and see what it sounds like and we'll go from there. And, and I, and I've told him, you know, at any time, you know, if I'm, if you don't feel I'm the right guy anymore, then that's fine. I'm not the right guy. So I'm the, you know, I, in, in some ways I feel like a hired gun because I, I'm usually in charge of whatever musical project that I'm in. And not mm -hmm. because I, I'm, I'm a bossy guy or anything like that, but just because of the amount of experience I've had and I, I can usually guide things pretty well. I'm usually pretty good at that. But the nice thing with salt that I love is I can just walk in and sing. I don't have to, I don't have to do any business stuff. I'm not at right. the helm. You know, that's Curtis. Our drummer is really at the helm and John. Right. You know, those two guys, they are they are the quote unquote management for salt. And all I have to do is sing. Good because because as you said, stepping into that, you know, that's John Schlitt, you know, arguably yeah. one of the greatest voices in, in Christian rock ever, you know. Yeah. And and I and I watched the video of performing live, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm hitting the notes well. I'm not John Schlitt and I'm never going to be John Schlitt. So, uh, so that, yeah, those are, as you said, very, very, very big shoes to step into. No question. Well, I, I, I watched the majority of the gig that you guys did in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And cause I had not heard you do any of John's songs yet. Yeah. So I, so I'm skipping through trying to find something and then you did screens mm -hmm. and I went, Oh Lord. You pulled it off. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And you did a really good job. Thank you. You, 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 you had a lot of you had a lot of John's uh, mannerisms. Yeah, a lot of it, his phrasing. Yeah, and I, well, I tried to keep it as close to the original as I, as I possibly could without. It, it, you know, there's a fine line between just being a clone and and also doing justice to what the person who came before you did. So right. I, I try to walk that line as best I can. I try to like not just ape what he did, but honor what he did because I mean right. his vocal lines are just so good. And even though right. you know, maybe maybe calling John's songs iconic is maybe a stretch because you know John even feels like he's barely off the launch pad. You know, 
salt. Right. And he's probably right. He's barely off the, the launch pad. So I wouldn't call it iconic in the sense of like your song is iconic, but John's voice is certainly uh, iconic. So right. I, I want to honor what he did without, you know what I mean? I don't want to put too much of my flair into it because what John Schlitt did vocally on those songs, I think, I think deserves to be honored. So I, you know, I, yeah. I try to, I try to stay, stay in that lane, you know, without just being a clone of him because, because I'm, a, if I'm a clone of him, then that's, that's not really honoring him either. So there's a real fine line. Right. Right. Well, you, you, you pulled it off. I, and it drove me crazy that I couldn't be there. Oh, and, and yeah, you would have had a good I, time. It was, it was a lot of fun. I there, there was so much going on that weekend. Mm. And it's like, I, I just can't do it. I can't. Yeah. Back, back in the day, it was nothing to drive six to eight hours just for kicks. Right, right. I hear you. Those days are over with. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But So let's go to the other end, end of the spectrum, because okay. with Salt, you're, you're, you're progressive and you're classic. Yeah. I got to know, and the people got to know more about Grave Robber who don't know anything about Grave Robber. Yeah. How did that yeah, come that, about in their music style? That came, well, a couple of things. So I, I, I played starting in about 1990 or 91. I started playing a lot of like what I guess most people would call punk rock bands. And now a lot of people that don't know what punk rock is have a tendency to think that punk is just uh, an excuse to be really a terrible musician. Well, you know, I find terrible musicians in about every genre and I find brilliant musicians in just about every genre. Um, so punk, punk is, you know, the upper echelon of punk rock to me are artists who um, care about their tone and care about the band playing very tight together. And so th there is some, uh, there is some artistry to it. It's, bashing chords and bashing the drums you know but there, there are bands like that so i want to set that up to say i've always cared about things being very precise and I remember seeing the ramones for the first time seeing them live and just being blown away by how tight and precise everything was happening on that stage and it was just it was just remarkable so i wanted to do that so Fast forward a few years after playing in punk rock bands and being out on the road and touring and doing that whole thing. Um, we were in church and I was in, I was the worship leader of a church called come to go in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And mm -hmm. uh, my bass player in, in my rock band, uh, the migraines, which is, I guess, kind of a punk band too. Um, he was the bass player for the worship team. Uh, the drummer, um, was the drummer for the worship team. So we were all there and somebody said something about uh, the misfits. And somebody said, Would, wouldn't it be cool if there was a Christian version of the mis misfits? I'm like, yeah, right. How could you do that? That wouldn't even work. You know, it, the, right. the imagery doesn't work. The dark stuff, the stuff about death and this and that. And then right afterwards, our pastor did a sermon on Romans 611 about, you know, about, considering yourself dead to the world and dead to sin. So we were talking about Romans 6, rather, not just not just 611. I'm like, wait a second. We, I just said you couldn't do the death thing. You just said you couldn't talk about that in a Christian band. And here we are finding it in the Bible. Okay, okay, great. And then, and then immediately following the lesson, we had communion. 
and I'm walking up back up the stage to play the last song of the night. And uh, we had, it was an evening service and it just hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. So we're dead. Cause we're dead to the world, dead to sin. And we just took communion, which is the symbolic eating of the, the flesh and, and, and drinking his blood. I'm like, wait a second. What are we zombies? Like we're zombies. Christians are zombies. The zombie apocalypse happened with Jesus. That's where it started, you know, metaphorically speaking, of course. Right. You know, and so I'm right. like, wait a second. So we're we're dead to the world, but we're alive in Christ. So zombies are undead. They're dead, but they're quote unquote alive. And they eat, you know, the the traditional zombie on brains, whatever, eat brains or whatever, eat, eat bite people or whatever. And, and our job as Christians is to basically make more Christians, right? To go out and, and spread the word of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And of course, of course, I, of course, I always say like, we don't have any power to convert anybody. That's the Holy spirit. But, but, it, but we, it's our job to tell people about Jesus, right? To go out, you know, make disciples. So, which right. is adding more to the quote unquote zombie horde, if you will. And and I know somebody probably is going to hear me say this and think that that I'm really out there and that I'm that I'm nuts and I've lost it. But it was definitely one of those Holy Spirit moments where it just hit me. I'm like, maybe you could do that. And I was telling the guys about it. And they were like, great, let's start it. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not starting this unless we pray about it. We we as a as a as a unit started praying about it for two years. We did not have a wow. single rehearsal. And I walked into worship band rehearsal two, two years later after that night. And I had had this moment where it just felt like God had downloaded into me, go do this. And I was like, whoa, whoa, really, really? And so I walked in and all the other guys were acting weird. I go, did you guys get anything from the Lord about this whole like misfits sounding band? And they were like, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, you all did when? today we all got it at the same time and i was standing there in the midst of talking about that and i said we're going to call it grave robber and they were like why grave robber i go two reasons one it's my favorite petra song ever and and two i go you know who the grave robber is right the this this band isn't us like we're not the grave robber the grave robber is jesus right when he comes back and and opens up the graves, right? right. So that's so th- he's the great. That's why it's not called the grave robbers. It's grave robber. Right. It's him. Right. And so we we started the band. I, I fully expected the band to last about five or six months. Honest, mm-hmm. honest to goodness, I did not expect it to last. And here we are, eighteen years later, and we're still going wow. strong, still playing shows, still playing festivals, still telling people about Jesus, still trying to live it out as best we can. So it's weird. And I don't expect all Christians to get it or understand it or even endorse it. I don't because the, from the get go, it was not intended to be Christian entertainment. It was intended to be um, an evangelistic tool to reach people that the goth scene into the horror punk scene, into the horror world altogether. So I just before this interview, I did an interview with a guy that's part of the horror punk community. So mm-hmm. had I not done Grave Robber, I wouldn't be able to talk to anybody. 
You know what I mean? Right. So, and because I had never talked to anybody in that scene about Jesus beforehand. And all right. of a sudden it was, God said, you know, th this is, this is your mission. This is your, your position. Go do it. And we've been doing it ever since until he says no, you know, and I'm, and I'm ready. I'm ready for God to go. Okay. You've done what you need to do. You can stop now. You know, right. it won't, it won't be a sad day when he says, don't, don't do it anymore. Because I, I mean, we had a great long run. Now, if he does it for another 18 years, I'm okay with that too. You know, so, and that, and that's what great robber is. It's theatrical. A lot of it's tongue in cheek. A lot of it's just silly. It's not as, you know, scary as it might appear on the outside. And we always say in our shows that like, we didn't come to celebrate death. We came to celebrate life, right. real life, the life of, of, the spirit, your spirit coming back to life. That's why we're here, you know? And so, um, yeah, that's just, that's, that's, uh, that's the grave robber story in a nutshell. And then everything from that point, the beginning to, to now is uh, filled with twists and turns, trials, tribulations, ups and downs, heartbreak and, and, and uh, conquest. So, it's <laughs> someday maybe yeah. i'll write a book yeah yeah the, i can't remember what year it was but uh several years ago mid mid 2000s my uh we we saw the the band the protest for the first time yeah down, down in kentucky they actually opened up for petra oh yeah yeah and my, my daughter who was so uh, i think she was at that time she was in sixth grade uh became a protest junkie yeah and she found out that they were playing in Kokomo. Well, wait, how, how old was your daughter? She was in sixth grade, man. All right. She's in she's... sixth grade and became a fan of the protest. Yes. Okay. Let's just be honest here, Rob. Yeah. They are some cute dudes. They are some cute dudes. And I got to admit that, that, that her, her and Sarge. Yep. Yep. That's the two. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, man. I mean, no, no, girls don't fall in love with Grey Robber. Because we are but, not cute dudes in the costumes and out of the costumes. So, well, yeah, we don't we, have that. <laughs> we, we, we went up to Kokomo for, their, for, the, for the protest Christmas show. Oh, yeah. That they, that they do every year. Yeah. And once again, I'm terrible with names, but it's the same girl who's involved with putting together the Kingdom Come Festival. Um, wow. They've, they've got a whole team, so I'm not sure which well, one it be. I, I, I'm talking to one of them up there because – they recognize my name from uh, Classic Christian Rock Preservation. Yeah. And, and we just started talking about uh, Christian rock. Yeah. And you know, the bands that I've promoted, the bands that I had hosted. And then at that time, I didn't know what Kingdom Come was. Mm. Yeah. So she's she's telling me about all these bands. And, and she said, yeah, we also have Grave Robber. And they always steal the show. And I'm going, okay, who are they? And she's explaining Grave Robber to me. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, get a lot of and she said, and she said, a lot of people don't, but yeah. they reach people that other people, that other bands can't. Yeah. And, and, and that clicked with me big time because that was me and Striper back in the eighties. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, there's not that we're not that we're compared whatsoever to Petra or Striper, I mean, or Resband or anything like that. But 
if you think about like every, all every generation, so you had like in the seventies, you know, Res was just so out there, and Petra was like, "Whoa, yeah. are you kidding me? You can't do that." And then in the eighties, right. Striper was like, "Whoa, you can't do that." And then going into the nineties, you had you know Deliverance and and you know bands like that. Whoa, what are you doing? You can't do that. And you know, so it's just like every you know every every decade has those bands and i think we're, we've reached the point now where it's not as shocking i mean if grave right. would have came out in the 70s we would have been you know drawn and quartered if we would have came right. out in the 80s we would have just been immediately like shut down you know oh yeah that wouldn't have happened no i mean look 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 what look what they put striper through that's exactly right look what they still put striper through yeah right <laughs> Well, yeah, every album but, that they release, you know, there's people that just want to run them through a meat grinder like every time, you know. But, and then people wonder why why Michael Sweet sometimes, you know, has an edge to him. Gee, I wonder why, you know. Wonder why. But the, <laughs> the one thing you you said one thing that that I totally understand that and, and I'm going to go back to Striper again is they don't preach to the choir. Right. Right. They get out and play bars. Yeah. They play secular rock festivals and and uh, they they preach to the unlovely. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and it was never it was never their intention or their goal to be a, and that's why and I think I think Michael Sweet recently in the past few years said something like we're not a Christian band. What he meant was he didn't mean that they're not Christians and that, that they're not evangelists. What he meant was we're not pigeonholed as this thing that only plays to a Christian audience. That's what right. I meant. Of course, that right. was taken so far out of context and, and people twisted it around, but, and I got, I got what he said. I was like, it, you know, yeah. we don't promote grave robber as a Christian band. We don't promote it right. that way. If somebody says, are you guys a Christian band? Yep. I don't hesitate. You know, yes, we are. Yeah. I'd never denied it. But we we also don't market it that way because that's not who we're trying to reach. I mean, imagine imagine being a missionary going into a hostile territory. You don't lead by waving the Christian flag. That's not what right. you do. You go in and you take care of the, the needs of the people. Even when Jesus went into town, a town he hadn't been been at, he didn't lead with with hey everybody, I need to tell you some stuff. He led with taking care of their physical needs. Then once he did that, they were like, okay, we can trust you now. What do you have to say? And I've always found that if you take care of people's needs first, they, they will listen to you. Now, this may sound a little cheesy, but what's the need of your average rock audience? Well, they just want to be rocked. That's their need. That's why they're there. Okay. They, they're, right. That's what they're looking for. That's why they're there. And right. so you go in, you put in on the best show you can possibly put on you, as tight as you can, you can be, try to remember, try to remember is don't drop a drumstick. You know, you, you try to do mm-hmm. all, all, the, all the right things and play it at the, the top of your game as well as you can. And then afterwards, then they're like, okay, now I'm listening. Now, now I'm, now I want to hear what you have to say. Right. But you can't do it the opposite way. It, for that type right. of an audience, it just doesn't work. And if I go in all gun blazing, without without presenting the art, they don't care, and they just shut down. So it's you know it's just knowing your audience and knowing what what to, you know how to address them and and how to read the room and knowing what to say at each individual venue. 
you know, in each in each situation. But yeah, I mean, I, I got I got what Mike was saying, you know, because I feel the same way about Grey Robber. We're not we're not intended to be Christian entertainment. So I get it. So have you done a gig with Grave Grave Robber and had a crowd turn against you once they discovered you were Christian? Never. No, never. never. I mean, there have been individuals that were into it and then found out we were Christians. And then they were like, okay, I'm not into this. Bye. I'm like, okay. I mean, but even Jesus had that, you know? Right. He had, you know, some people, some people followed, some people didn't, you know? And, right. and if they're going to do that to him, you better believe they're going to do that to us, you know? And so, right. but you know, it, it, it doesn't, it, honest to goodness, doesn't bother me. You know, I mean, we're, we're fishers of men. And if you, if you've ever right. gone fishing, you don't catch every single fish in the lake. Exactly. You know, and so, you know, you got to look at it that way. And, and I, and I don't even know that grave robbers job is the harvest all the time. Sometimes our job is to, to plant the seeds and sometimes our, our job is to show up and treat people with dignity and respect and keep our mouths shut. You know, mm-hmm. you just got to read the room. Sometimes it's like, you just have the sense of the Holy Spirit's telling you like, okay, don't talk to these people. Don't just, just be, a Christian. Don't tell them you're a Christian. Just be one. And sometimes that witness is stronger than you think, you know, and, and uh, we get a lot of feedback. I got a little more vocal about my faith at the, at this bar because it was our fourth or fifth time playing there. And, you know, there were people that returned because of Ray Robert and they were like, man, I love the, the positive things that you said. And, you know, and, you know, of course I speak in a way that, you know, it's in character. I also speak in a way that isn't quite as um, uh, forceful when I'm presenting mm-hmm. the gospel message to that particular audience. It's it's in a way that says, look, this this is about this is about love and acceptance. You know, this isn't about division. This isn't about um, us standing up here and judging you, because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that. From the time you woke up and from the time I woke up, there's probably the same number of sins, right? And to be mm-hmm. quite honest, I hate my own sin enough to not really pay attention to yours. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, mm-hmm. so so it's not about that. It's about the fact that like I have joy because I've been rescued. Right. And I'm trying to offer you the same thing, you know, not that I can give it to you, but point you to the, where you can get that. You know, and so that's really that's really the approach. Yeah, yeah. That's see, that's that's one of the things that I, I talked to Josh not that long ago from the protest, kind of on that same topic. Yeah, is there's a lot of guys that that would not that they'd walk away if they knew protest was 100 percent Christian the second they walked on stage, but when you talk to these guys and listen to them, their positive is just overwhelming. And and they take the time out to talk to you and talk on your level. And I know that's exactly what Grave Robber is doing to that yeah. crowd. You're, you're, you're on that same level. You're not over, you're not above them. You're not preaching at them. Correct. And, and boy, do I wish there was more of that out there because yeah. I'm so turned off by, by, by so much nonsense music that's out there today. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with you. And, and see, and that's why the, the protest and grave robber, we only play together about once a year and that's usually at KCF. And, and it's not because we don't have great love for each other. 
It's just they're right. they're doing their thing in this direction. We're doing our thing in that, the other direction. Right. But I've always recognized that in them. I've always recognized that they are, um, they are clearly like some of the most humble guys in in, in the yeah. Christian music industry. It's clear. Yeah, they're the, they're the, they're the real deal. Oh yeah. Now, uh, on, on on Grave Robber, you guys have a pretty big following in South America too, if I understand correct. Yeah, it's crazy, and and the the sad part is we can't figure out how to get down there. But you know, as far yeah. as meeting a promoter and you know, you know, somebody that can kind of steer us in the right direction, so we don't end up, you know, in like cartel territory and right <laughs> and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we seem to, um, Brazil seems to, seems to have a, a large number of people down there. And we, we've done tours of Mexico a few times and, uh, that's always been great too. And, and, uh, Mexico just seems like a place where even people that are hostile to the gospel will, will be respectful and listen very yes. very rarely do we, you know it's a different culture you know and i think i think spirituality is such a part of their culture that they're like okay i'll listen doesn't mean i'm gonna gonna buy into it but i'll listen and um i i remember having a conversation with an interpreter with a young lady who was setting up a small shrine and she was a um they said the name of what it was and i don't remember the name but she was basically a um uh an Aztec. Okay. She, was, she was into the, so it was a pagan religion, Aztec. And she told me that she was building this shrine to some God. I don't remember what, I don't remember the name, but she was building this Aztec, little Aztec shrine and burning the sage and, and doing all this stuff in, in respect to her God. And, and I said, I said, well, I said, uh, And the God was, the God wasn't, the God was something in nature, like wind or, or something like that moon or something. I can't remember mm -hmm. exactly. And I, and I said, and I told her as, as politely and as kindly as I could possibly muster it. I, I said, I said, I think it's awesome that, that you have it in you to worship. And I said, I, I said, I looked around at, at creation and I decided that I wanted to worship the one who, who created the creation. And she looked at me like she had never heard that before. Like that idea was so foreign to her that, that, you know, to her creation was the God, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I, I worship the God who created what we see. I worship the God right. who created the creation. And, you know, and so, um, In, in other in other cultures or whatever, if you tried to say that in the United States, it might turn into an argument. But in right. in Mexico, it was a um, kind of a mutual respect. Not that I agreed with her, and she didn't. I don't know that she agreed with me, but at least she heard me out, you know, and I heard her out. So well, you you planted the seed. I hope so. Yeah, I you hope know, so. And, and a lot a lot of times that's what's needed. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by, by, by South Americans that just are so accept, they, they love, they seem to love Christian American rock. 
Yeah, I think so. yeah, like Bride Bride was still going down to you know, Bride yeah. and uh White Cross and I mean are still going down and playing huge shows down in down in South America. Yeah, the, I, I I hosted John by John Schlitt by himself like 13 years ago. And and I felt I had a pretty pretty good crowd of like of 200 people in at my church in my church parking lot. Yeah. And and he, then he was telling me that uh that they had I can't remember if he had just got back or was just about to go to uh South America. Now he did they just got back from South America. Yeah. And the crowds were just huge. Yeah. They're, they're they're starving for the gospel down there. Even even the Mexican crowds that we play for, um, it could be a Wednesday night, and you play the show out in the square. Like every you know every town has the uh, park with the square, and you play in the in the park or the square or whatever. Right. And and um, you know the crowds are usually about a thousand people every night. Right. You know, which is more than what we typically play play for here. You know, yeah. here if we here if there's a crowd of 500, that's massive. You know, at, right. our, at our level. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I used to be happy if 100 people showed up. Yeah, I still. <laughs> I, you know, there, there was probably the, the show that I told you about that we played last uh, weekend. There was probably uh, total in the entire building, maybe 100 people watching us. Half of that, 40 to 50 people. And, and I was elated. <laughs> yeah. 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 So how can people find out where Grave Robber is going to be and find their music? Uh, the best place to, you know, to find out where we're going to be is probably, well, you know, we're on Facebook. We're on uh, X, you know, which used to be Twitter, um, Instagram. We also post things on, on TikTok. Um, so you can always find it there. Um, Facebook, of course. Did I say Facebook? Yeah, I think I did. Yep. Um, so all basically all the social medias is where you can find out where we're going to be and, and what's going on. Uh, right now, we are winding down. We've got the last two shows with our current drummer, so we're back to f- looking for a drummer again. And uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah, that's that. As far as finding music, all the normal download portals, anywhere that you normally, uh, okay. or digital portals rather, rather. I mean, most of the right. download portals are now not download, but streaming. So right. know, nobody makes, nobody really makes money off of music anymore. It's mostly t-shirts. Right. Like if you're, if you're in a band, congratulations, gentlemen, you just became t-shirt salesman, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah yeah so so stop complaining about 50 dollars t-shirts at concerts kids. yeah yeah exactly ba- ba- bands got to get money somehow this yeah. equipment isn't free right i i you know we still try to keep it as affordable as we can i keep seeing right. the t-shirts inching up and i'm still holding on for the longest time i held on to the 10 dollars t-shirt until it got to the point where other bands are actually mad at us like you guys can't do that you're making us look bad like like oh. How you do, how you doing that anyway? Well, we just got a guy that gives us a really incredible deal. So, I I, I was shocked a couple of weeks ago. My son and I went and saw George Thorogood, mm. and and uh, I'm walking by the merch table expecting you know fifty dollars shirts, and and I was floored because he was only charging thirty five bucks for a t shirt. Wow, I, I hated his designs. Yeah, <laughs> well, that being said, it's like. 
they're affordable. That that doesn't happen often. That still seems pricey to me, you know, because I'm the I'm the low budget touring turd, you know, I like to keep my costs really low. <laughs> but, you know, for myself as well as other people. Well, yeah, I mean most of the shows I go to, they're they're 50 bucks. I mean, I went to the to, to the Kista show here in Indianapolis before the lockdown. Yeah. And and it's like, I'm not paying that for a t-shirt. Wow. So 50 bucks. I'm, I'm, Man. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go sit down and enjoy the show because I feel that I got taken from Ticketmaster on the ticket price. Yeah, anyway. exactly. I think I think uh, mortgage companies need to start having uh, concert programs where you can take out a second, third, fourth mortgage on your home just to go to a concert and and uh, to be able to afford the gasoline to get there and the and the uh, parking and the, you know they get gas, parking, food, yeah, yeah. tickets, ticket ticket handling costs. Then, then food. Once you're in there, the only food that's in there is like 400 percent markup, you know. And right. then, and then a T-shirt that cost that probably cost them. It probably cost them about two bucks, if right. that. And then they're charging fifty for it. Of course, the venue's taking a big cut of the merchandise, so you know they pass the savings on to you. Right. And, I, and I've been in some of those conversations mm -hmm. or been part of some of those conversations with bands and venues. Yeah. Actually, I, bands, I, I work, they hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's, and it's, you know, there was that big push that just happened a few months ago where, you know, people were like finally getting tired of venues, taking the percentage of merch and, and a lot of venues said, you know what, you're right. And, and we're not going to do that anymore. And it really made them, you know, look a lot better. You know, to say we're not taking, and I don't know why. I don't know why a venue should take a merch cut. I really don't. You know, because if if the venue is serving alcohol, they're certainly not passing that any any benefit of that financially onto the artist, whether right. whether it's Christian or secular artist. They're not, or, or right. even let's let's not even talk about alcohol sales in a, in a bar. Let's just talk about food sales. You know, if you go to right. a Christian venue that is selling food, they're not giving a portion of the proceeds to the band typically, at least right. I haven't heard of any that do that. So, no. but they're expecting the band to give a, a percentage of their proceeds to them. And I'm like, wait a second, this should work both ways. If it's going to, yeah. if you're going to do that, let it work both ways. Right. Right. Well, we've covered a bunch and there's one question that everybody who's on slain it was sign Rob gets the they, they get okay. asked. Okay. So, Here's yours. All right. You get a wish. Dead, dead or alive. Okay. Who would you personally like to perform with? Oh, wow. Um, fortunately, he's still alive. And that would be Alice Cooper. For oh, you, yeah. you stole my heart. Yeah, for multiple, yeah. For multiple reasons. I mean, number one, right. one of the greatest showmen of, of my lifetime. I've seen him more times than I've seen anybody else. And he's he's always consistent, always good. Then I watch interviews with him and just see what a kind, uh, gentle person he is. And right. um, I would love to be able to share the stage with him in the hopes that I could actually share backstage with him too, you know, have a moment to talk to him. Right. I've never met him. And, uh, yeah. but yeah, it would be Alice, Alice Cooper for, for sure. Yeah. You know, and I grew up any kind of big theatrical visual thing. And when I was younger, they used to call it shock rock. And it really, there wasn't a whole lot shocking about it, but that's what right. they called it. I guess it was shocking next to Joni Mitchell, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, kiss and Bowie Slade, sweet, Mata the hoople, 
T-Rex, you know, things that, that were big and bombastic and, and uh, had some sort of visual going on with it, you know, you know, bands that just got really super gross that were underground. Like I was never a big Gore fan, which just surprises a lot of people. And there's a handful right. of songs I think are kind of kind of cool, and they are kind of funny, but they also get kind of gross. And the gross part, of right? It, I'm like, yeah, that's that's not me. But um, but yeah. Alice's show, when it was at its grossest, still wasn't really all that bad. And no, uh, it was pretty tame. Yeah, by comparison. But of course, by by comparison to what you know, his contemporaries of his of his day, yeah, it was pretty out there. But um, but I just you know I've just always really loved his songwriting, loved him as a person. This and um, yeah, that that would be my choice, Alice Cooper. And I think that's a great choice. It's funny you shock rock because. I, I think it's funny to watch Christians get shocked when they find out Alice Cooper is a born again Christian. Yeah. Well, now there's, now there's, you know, people like, you know, you got, you know, two of the guys from Megadeth, you got Blackie Lawless right. of all people from Wasp, you know, and, and Gilgoth is an amazing album. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. Godless run, just an incredible song. And I swear at the end of the song, cause the lyric says on the lyrics, it says, um, I ran for I ran from you on my godless run. I swear at the very end, if you listen to it, he says, I ran for you. I ran or now I run to now I run to you, my God let's run. Not not my godless run, my God let's run. I swear right. that's what he's saying. I, at least I hope that's what he's saying. Maybe I just want him to right. say that. But um, right. that's what it sounds like to me. And uh yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 pretty amazing, you know. And now with you know Kat Von D being baptized and everything, it just blows my mind that people, you know, she was fully entrenched in witchcraft and everything. And you know, the people right. that are they're coming to Jesus, you know, it, it just it's encouraging, you know. Yeah. So well, if you guys get a chance, go see Grave Robber and uh, don't don't fall over because yes, that is Sean on stage. <laughs> And uh, I, 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 I don't, I, I know DeGroff is wanting to do more with Salt Live. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I'll be talking to him shortly. And uh, if so, if Salt is out there, chances are it's going to be in the Fort Wayne area. Yeah, more than likely. Mm-hmm. You know, go up there, check him out. If you need a house, call Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the plug. Nice plug. Yeah, yeah. Got to get the plug. I, yeah. I, I have threatened. I have threatened to move to Fort Wayne. I don't know how many times in the past several years. Yeah, I just I, I keep thinking I'm just too old to move again. I just can't. I, yeah, I hear you. I, I just don't want to do it. Moving's the worst. Moving's the worst, but Sweetwater's there. That's true. So you know, so Sweetwater's there. Hogue is there. DeGroff nope. ain't far. No, nope, no. Indianapolis has been home for 35 years. I'm not going anywhere. I get it. Talk. I get it. But hey, thanks a bunch for for hanging out with me tonight. Yeah, thanks and, for having uh, me. This was fun. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to do it again next year. And Sounds like I good. said, everybody, go check out Grave Robber online. Check out John DeGroff Salt online. And uh, Sean, thanks a ton. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, God bless you, buddy. God bless you. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
thank you for listening to our interview with uh, Sean Browning of Salt and Grave Robber and every other band that he mentioned. Uh, yeah, Sean's uh, Sean's quite a guy who's had uh, quite the musical history. We didn't even get into talking about uh, his uh, record label that he uh, was part of, uh, Rottweiler Records. But uh, a huge thank you to Sean. And if you enjoyed what you heard tonight, head over to my email uh, address. Go to my email address, the Santa Rob Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And uh, if you have a suggestion for a topic or a guest, send it right there. <coughs> you can also go to Slaying It with Santa Rob on Facebook and uh, like that page. Let me know what you thought there. Let me know that you're out there. Because without your feedback, hey, what are we doing? And uh, thank you to uh, my awesome sponsors, uh, Brett Christmas Mustache Wax. You can find uh, him at bscenterprises.com. Brett Christmas Mustache Wax is the home of Santa Rob Mustache Wax. And when you get over there, use uh, discount code Santa Rob and save 15% on your order. And if you love collecting things, uh, whether it be Hot Wheels or Star Wars figures or video games, whatever, uh, hotspotcollectiblesandtoys.com. And uh, once again, use that discount code Santa Rob and save 15%. Now, next week on episode 29, we've got a super special. Uh, super special uh, guest coming on it's none other than uh, Ronnie Cates from Petra so I hope to hear you uh, we're on the <laughs> I did hope to hear you I hope that that you're back listening to uh, that episode and hey thanks thanks for slaying it with Santa Rob and we'll see you next week <laughs> <laughs>